Inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy. And teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living live, Like It Matters, our hour of power. This is where we're working on the noodle, working on the noggin. And I am so happy that you choose to spend your time. It's one of the greatest commodities we have uh, because it is the one thing that we know for sure that we have an absolute limited amount of, right, time. And as a man of God, uh, I eat scripture, and so I know what my good book says. My good book says that God knew us before we were. Before we were a cell in our the womb of our mother, God knew us. Before our daddies and mommies had that little sparkle in their eyes and uh, wanted to know each other, epigenosis, <laughs> to know each other, uh, you are already known. You were stitched together in the womb. Your first day and your last day was already seen. God is omniscient. If you don't know what words mean, it's a good radio show for you to listen to. Because I'm an etymologist by trade. And omniscient means perfect knowledge. Omniscient means all-knowing. That's what the word means technically. All-knowing. Which means perfect knowledge. In essence, logically, God cannot learn anything or he would cease being God. He sits above time. He watches the whole parade, the beginning and the end at the same time. He comes in and out wherever he wants to. And so isn't it amazing if that is true and the Bible says it's true and I believe the word of God, then you can never disappoint God. See, God made you and God knew you exactly the situation you were in. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Because God knows where you're at. God has prepared you for this opportunity. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah is having a, a, a vision, and he sees the throne room of God, and he sees the angels in the presence of Jehovah, and he says they have six wings, and the first thing we've got to ask is, why would an angel need six wings? But he goes on to tell us, he says he has two to cover the eyes because Shekinah glory of God's too bright even for angels, seraphim, cherubim. And so they had two wings to cover their eyes because the Shekinah glory of God is like standing next to the sun and gazing into it. It'd be too much. It'd fry, your, it'd fry everything. And then they had two to cover their feet, it says, because uh, that's our creaturehood. That's our feet, our connection to the earth, to the dirt which we came from. And of course, we all know what the other two are for, right? Because an angel needs wings to fly. What does that mean to you? It means everything. See, what that means is that when God created, having all knowledge from the beginning to the end, he knew exactly the choices you were going to make. He knew exactly how he was going to come in and out of those choices to use them for his good, or should say his glory and your good, right? That's what Romans 8.28 says. God causes all things to work for the good for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. This is not a sermon. This is just logic. I don't have a blind faith. See, what that tells you is God created his creatures to be successful, 
in the environment he was going to place them in. God knows your environment. God knows your struggles. God knows your choices. God knows the consequences of those choices that you and I are living in. God knows what you're going to do tomorrow. God knows what you do next week. God knows the sins you committed 10 years from now and 10 years ago. God knows it all. So quit hiding. So today, let's push that aside. No, we have a higher power that's pulling the machine. He's got the machinations. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the God, Lord is my righteousness. He is Jehovah Geppetto. That's a new one, right? He's the one that makes everything happen. He pulls the strings. So today, since we get that out of the way, that someone else is in charge, that we can be in the autopilot seat or the co-pilot seat while God's taking everything under control, I want to continue our conversation about critical thinking. As Dr. Viktor Frankl said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's own way. The training of the brain to think was Albert Einstein's definition of education. Our brains are the only organ in our body that does not have to deteriorate. See, we have unlimited plasticity. However, the law of atrophy says this, use it or lose it. And so today, I want to talk about bulwark. It's a great word. But yesterday, we talked about modus ponens, and this was all about our ability to logically reason. We separated things into two things yesterday. And the one we were really focused on is emotion and logic, reason and intuition. And I'm saying, why would you walk on one leg when you have two? Why would you see out of one eye when you have both? You see, you got to use them both. So we went through all kinds of things, but there are two types of this. And one of my favorite poems by Carmelo Benvenga, it's called Builder or Wrecker. And we separated it into two categories. Are you a builder or a wrecker? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me remind you, as Carmelo put it. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and a sidewall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled? as the men you'd hire if you had to build. He gave me a laugh and said, no, 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 indeed. Just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken a year or so to do. And I thought to myself as I went on my way, which of these two roles have I played? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by the rule in the square? Or am I shaping my deeds by a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks the town content with the labor of tearing down? And it seems like right now that we have a lot more wreckers than we do builders. And I shared yesterday's story. I just want to remind you from Jim Paluch, president of J.P. Horizons. He said a railroad crew was working in the hot August sun, replacing railroad ties and adjusting tracks. As they lay in the blazing heat, an engine pulls up with a fancy caboose all decked out with the company colors. It stops a short distance from the crew. A man in a sharp pinstripe suit steps out of the caboose and yells toward the crew, John, John, John Hayes, is that you? To labor surprise, John yells back, Yeah, Tom, it's me. Good to see you, my friend. 
Well, come on in and visit for a while, Tom yells back. The labor crew stared on in amazement as John laid down his shovel, wiped the sweat from his forehead, and walked toward the caboose. The man in the pinstripes gave him a big handshake and a slap on the back as they disappeared in the caboose. After a short time, John came walking back out to once again pick up his shovel and take his place on the crew. Everyone else was just staring at him. They stopped working and said, John, wasn't that Tom Miller? Isn't he the president of, our, of the railroad? Yep. That was all he said. Yep. Well, John, how, how do you know Tom Miller? I mean, they were impressed. Well, we both started working for the railroad on exactly the same day over 20 years ago. The man couldn't help but ask the obvious question. John, if you both started work on the same day, how come Tom Miller is running the company and you're in the hot sun laying ties? To which John stopped working, leaned forward on a shovel like he'd been doing for 20 years, with a look that seemed to simultaneously play back the past 20 years. And said, 20 years ago, Tom went to work for the railroad. 20 years ago, I went to work for $1.20 an hour. What are you working for, ladies and gentlemen? See, today I want to get you on the bigger picture. We get so wrapped up in the, the space right in front of our nose that we don't have a vision. And all leaders have to have a vision. And today we're going to talk specifically about this word bulwark. It's a great word. And I'm going to tell you, it identifies me. Does it identify you? We'll be right back. Here's a real student testimonial from Like It Matters Leadership Awakening Training. The way we met Scott was through an answered prayer. We had a, uh, a business associate who recommended a leadership training process. Initially, you know, I had been through uh, just a series of all kinds of leadership training and felt like I had been trained as much as I possibly could. You know, we went and went hesitantly. But the one thing, it would have to be consistent with my faith. And uh, it was your awakening class. And uh, that class was absolutely not only uh, the, the answer to prayers, uh, business, but personally. It gave us the tools and it gave us the foundation to be able to really formalize and verbalize our values. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. You've had a difference in your relationship with God, too. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, I was I was raised in a church uh, and I uh, kind of stepped away uh, in, in my adult life. And this class kind of brought me right back to, to my faith. And that's a huge, huge part of my life that's just been missing and I just, I, I feel rejuvenated if that makes sense that, you know, knowing that God's walking right next to me every day, every night, you know, he's right here for me and everyone else for that matter. But he's here for, for me right yeah. now. And you have some peace, don't you? Oh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional, okay. but it's, 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 it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling inside my heart. Like It Matters' unique approach allows people to see, hear, and experience leadership in motion. Like It Matters Radio. Radio Like It Matters. Welcome back to 
Radio. Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. And yes, we do have a class coming up. I'm glad you asked. I love to hear from my listeners. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if I can answer your questions, I will. Uh, yeah, we do have our next class, but our next class is our second level class, Leadership Adventure. Um, Leadership Awakening is a freshman level class. It's an entry level class. It's what you'd call 101. Uh, it's the foundation. Uh, once you've done Leadership Awakening, then it opens the door to an advanced class and Leadership Adventure is the second half of what was accomplished in Leadership Awakening. Leadership Adventure picks up right where Leadership Awakening leaves off. Uh, it's an outdoor adventure. Uh, you run the class yourself. Uh, I guide you through the processes. Uh, you trust each other with your life. You figure out how do you take a team of leaders through the ups and downs of life? Uh, each person must choose to live. You trust each other with your life. And the biggest kept secret we have uh, at Like It Matters is in Leadership Adventures. So I have one of those first one in five years. I uh, got some spots in there. Uh, it's March 2nd through 4th here in DFW. Uh, incredible. If you can get uh, make it, go to likeitmatters.net. I promise you a weekend that will change your life. Uh, you will never, ever, ever, ever forget it. And then the next weekend after that, we'll be in Dallas doing a Leadership Awakening. So uh, actually March 9th through 11th, uh, full class. I think we're at 13, 14. We can fit two more in there if we need to. Uh, that's March 9th through 11th uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth. And the end of the month, uh, March 30th, we'll be back in the Twin Cities. Don't worry, Twin Cities. I'll bring you some heat because I bring fire, buddy. I bring fire. So when the black man comes to town, I promise you, it'll warm up a little bit. So to figure out all that, go to likeitmatters.net. You can take a look at the schedule. Today, we're actually kind of in a series uh, I like to do a series when I don't have guests joining me for the week. Uh, and today we're really part of the series that you don't know. You won't know this till Friday, but I'll tell you a little sneak peek uh, is uh, word up. Words have meaning. The right word at the right time can change someone's life. And the wrong word at the right time if someone allows it can destroy themselves. And the problem is we don't pay attention to words. Words have meaning. Uh, even in the Bible, Jesus said, I did not come to get rid of the words of the Old Testament. I came to fulfill the words in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, in the book of John, it starts off this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word dwelt among us. So words matter. The right word at the right time will change someone's destiny. Now let's go from the spiritual now to the personal. Because your right words at the right time can change someone's situation. You gotta get that. But are you taking advantage? See yesterday our show was called Modus Ponens. Modus ponens is part of logic. It's the reasoning that when a conditional statement is accepted as true, a subsequent statement beginning with then is also affirmed as true. And this is where you go back to all the way back to Aristotle. Socrates, Aristotle, they were philosophers and they studied logic. And so modus ponens was something that we covered yesterday. And it was a big deal. Because in critical thinking, you've got to logically reason, and we don't do that anymore. Remember, we're talking about they're putting everything in twos. So you got reason and intuition, intuition, the head and the heart, right? Logic and emotion. And we got to use them both. And so yesterday, part of modus ponens is about logic. 
deductive reasoning versus inductive reasoning, right? And then you have evidence, right? When you're when you're figuring things out, you should have evidence, right? In the in the in the law enforcement arena, there are two types of evidence. It could be direct or circumstantial. Direct evidence is a direct proof of a fact, such as testimony by witness, you know, DNA, fingerprints, something like that. That's direct evidence. Circumstantial evidence is indirect evidence. That is, it is proof of one or more facts from which one can find another fact. See, there's a lot of people in jail on circumstantial evidence, no direct evidence. Some of those people are innocent, and some are guilty, but some are innocent. I've watched enough Datelines, enough uh, shows like that. That's, that's my genre I, I watch, <laughs> thousands of hours. I can see man's in, in humanity, man. I can see how evil man is. I can see how something so great one moment, six months later, uh, it results in murder, a murder-suicide. See, this is where you've got to be able to see things. You've got to be able to take in data. You've got to be able to put your emotions aside. And I'm a motive person. you got to use both parts. Remember, there's two things. There's emotion and reason. And this is about science. See, science is not about thoughts, feelings, wishes, and fantasy. Unless you're talking about political science, which is today... Political science is being called science in the name of propaganda. Scientists don't attribute findings to numerologists, psychics, or forces beyond human understanding. Science is about examining reality in an objective way, drawing conclusions from evidence or observation, just like a police officer who's solving a case, just like a prosecuting attorney would do to lay out a case. And what I'm telling you today is there's not enough of that going on. We want to get emotionally wrapped up. We're driven by hate. And I'm a bulwark. Let me tell you what bulwark means. Any person or thing given strong support or encouragement in time of need, danger, or doubt. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are in danger. People are confused. People are lost. It's sad. It's scary. I see it everywhere. It's going on all around us. People don't know what's going on. And when people get confused, it is the worst thing because the number one weapon used against us is confusion. See, that's what science does. See, science takes everything and asks questions. How? Why? And yet we're living in a time with this, this pandemic and this fake shot that they just want to put stuff in your arm and fake elections and fake hearings and fake January 6th committees and fake attempting to overthrow the government. All this is lies, and yet, because it's repeated enough, a lot of you believe it, and it's driving fear and anger and hatred, which is causing you to reelect the same people who are destroying our country. But it's planned. It's called fifth-generation warfare. It's warfare that's conducted primarily through non-kinetic military action, social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks. I'm going to give you direct evidence and circumstantial evidence. And I'm going to use deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning. See, the main difference, you know, science is about conducting experiments, see how things play out. And when scientists conduct experiments, they use different methods to understand a problem. For instance, a scientist could use inductive reasoning, which is drawing conclusions from evidence, or deductive reasoning, which is finding evidence to support or disprove conclusions. And you see it every day in politics.
Every day in politics, the deep state is using deductive reasoning. They're giving you a belief system that you are to believe, and then they're giving you what I believe is circumstantial evidence that says, see, see what I'm telling you? And then conflation is a big part of it. To take two things that are not related and merge them together like they're exactly related. And this is why you're being played, player. It's unconscious. It's programming. Google Joseph Goebbels. The main difference between inductive and inductive reasoning, and this is what I got to yesterday, but I didn't cover it enough. It's a big topic, is that while inductive reasoning begins with an observation, supports it with patterns, and then arrives at a hypothesis or theory, deductive reasoning begins with a theory, supports it with observation, and eventually arrives at a confirmation. See, that's what the whole uh, Trump collusion thing was all about. They just knew if they could keep this thing open and have this prosecutor go in there and look at every single thing they would find a crime. And Adam Schiff and all these uh, crazy people who are in bed with the Chinese and the Russians and they're accusing everybody else are getting you to believe the lie. Hey, I got information, irrefutable evidence right here. You're guilty. And then when they came out and released all the top secret stuff and it said there was no evidence all, it was never done. It was done by the FBI. The whole thing was circular firing squad. The whole thing was set up plan to destroy a sitting president. And no one tuned into those hearings. But boy, millions of people watch fake impeachment hearings. Do you see? It's working effectively. Inductive reasoning, also called induction, involves forming general theories from specific observations. Observing something happen repeatedly and concluding that it will happen again in the same way is an example of that. Now, deductive reasoning, also called deduction, involves forming specific conclusions from general premises. And this is the whole Donald Trump thing. And you guys have bought into it. Everyone in this class is an English major. Jesse is in this class. Therefore, Jesse is an English major. See, that's how it works. And so what I want you to do is realize that there are consequences for what we do. See, as human beings, we are little meaning makers. This is the whole basis of logotherapy, Dr. Viktor Frankl's work. He says that man has a will to meaning. And then Dr. Adler tells us that by the time a child is five years old, a majority of their map of reality is in place. The base underlying value system, belief system, they've created it. How do they do that? Because they look for meaning. We're little meaning makers. That's what logotherapy ties together. Because everything that happens, we ask ourselves why. Why did that happen? And then what does that say about me? And from that, we put together these things called life scripts. From that, we put together narratives. We create belief systems that after they're in place for a while become blocks of leadership and barriers. And we're potentially a fraction of the person. You know, we're broken, we're flawed, we have pain and hurt and doubt and fear, limiting belief systems, and we carry our chains of pain into other people's future. But the key is if we deal with those, if we process them, we clean them up and we leave them in the past, then we can become a bulwark. See, you can't help anybody else in their pain if you haven't processed yours. And if you're going to be a good bulwark, then you've got to be able to step into people's pain with them. You've got to be able to meet them in their map of reality. You've got to seek first to understand and then be understood. Because if I can understand you a little bit better, and you can understand me a little bit better, it doesn't make sense for a position to have a better relationship. I'm Black. Today, we're talking about bulwark. We'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. 
Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters. Inspiration, education, and application. I am your radio bulwark. Yeah, I said it. And notice how Spencer didn't even need to bleep me, because that's not a bad word. We need more bulwarks here, man. A bulwark is any person or thing giving strong support or encouragement in time of need, danger, or doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, America is on the cusp of no longer existing. The America we live in today is not the America I grew up in. I have no um, patriotism toward this America. I used to bleed red, white, and blue. I served in the military. Um, man, I had American ties. I had flags everywhere. Uh, my America, my country left my God, and now uh, it's becoming socialist. It's becoming hateful towards Christians, hateful towards anybody that's heterosexual, hateful to white people. I can't believe the hate in this country. That hate is okay now. That racism is okay. We have the most racist administration in over 100 years. Everything's about the color of your skin. Uh, It's stunned. And why does all this matter? Because little kids are watching. Because we are little meaning makers. Because we have belief systems that dictate everything we do. And we have six levels for those belief systems. And we have three levels of living. See, you can live your life for yourself, and that's what a lot of people do. See, the the base level of life is called survival. It's survival. That's why Abraham Maslow's a hierarchy of needs. You need food to survive. If people go a long time without food, they'll steal food to eat because you need it to survive. Believe it or not, you can survive a lot longer without food than you can without water. You need water to survive. You need protection from the elephants, elements to survive. These, those are survival. And let's be honest, a lot of people, as long as their bills are paid, and as long as they have a place to lay down or to smoke their pot or drink their drink and to play their games and watch their uh, Netflix, uh, they're cool. Survival. And so many people with the pandemic, all that have gotten to that base mode of just surviving, just getting through the day, getting through the week, getting through the month, getting through the year, getting through the next coronary problem, getting through the next leg cramp, getting through the next heart replacement, getting through the next this replacement, getting through the next that replacement. Just surviving. 
working to log as many days on this rock as you can. Now, the level above that is called success. And success is still about you. But usually success bubbles at such a level that other people are affected by it slightly. Success about making a name for yourself, a kingdom, a family, a legacy, a future for yourself, and maybe, maybe a few others that get your overflow. And that's not a bad place to be. That's, you know, a lot of people, they want a lot of followers. They want a big car. They want a big house. And to them, they equate that to success. And again, you must define that word success as an normalization. If you don't have success defined for you, then how do you know if you're on course or off course? How do you know if you're going in the right direction or the wrong direction? How do you know if you're getting closer or further away? You can't put success in a wheelbarrow. It means different things to different people. To some people, success is a, you know, a pretty spouse. For some, it's uh, having kids. Uh, for some, it's having a, a spouse and 2.5 kids. For some, it's having a big house. For some, it's having uh, physical interactions with people on a regular basis. For some, it's walking with God. See, the different definition requires different activity. Don't you get it? But there's a, a level so much higher than that level called success. And it's called significance. And significance always requires other people. See, an outcome of significance requires a change of focus. That you go from being a cistern and having others pour into you for your own gain to a conduit, one who passes grace, mercy, gifts, talents, time, and resources into others for a bigger vision. That brings us to today's word, which is bulwark. Someone who's in time of Christ and time of need is an encourager. Someone who helps other people. That's here. That's what I'm for. It's for such a time as this. Because there's a crisis of meaning out there. And, and Dr. Viktor Frankl in Logotherapy, the Bible tells you the same thing. That there's a search for meaning. That it's inherently, it's in us. Each one of us. It's built into us. It's part of our DNA. Just like sin. Search for meaning is the primary motivation in our lives. That's what the base of logotherapy is. We are little meaning makers. We have a will to meaning. Study it. And when that will to meaning, that primary motivation goes unmet, our lives feel shallow or empty. And we fill it with a lot of different stuff. We fill it with pot. We fill it with drugs. We fill it with sex. We fill it with pornography. Uh, We fill it with little social agenda issues. And we're focused on the wrong stuff. But for many people today, this need is not met. And so the fundamental crisis of our times, I believe, is a spiritual one. Look at all the revival they say that's going on in, what is it, Asbury, wherever it is. I'll be honest with you, I haven't moved too much by it. I look at the direction of this country, how rapidly it's going to abortion on demand. And heterosexual is going to be illegal soon. And you could have all the revivals you want, but the course of this country is running away from God and and attacking God's people. So I'm glad there's a little movement going on there, and I don't know what it is, but, you know, I'm uh, going to help as many people as I can at Bulwark. But I do not believe that the course of America is going to change until we individually start pouring into people and start waking them up. And part of that wake up is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Part of that wake up is to who they are. Part of that wake up is to why they're here. Part of that wake up is to realize that they are a living, breathing human being like every other person out there who has dreams and desires, who want to love and be loved, who wants to know they matter. 
who wants to feel validated and affirmed, who wants to provide for their family, who wants to be safe, who wants to live their life. See, I don't need to get in the middle of your sin and God. God's got that handled. You don't need to get in the middle of my sin and God. God's got that handled. Our job is to love on each other. And that doesn't mean to agree. That doesn't mean to condone. Love sometimes means doing some tough things. Love is a, not a feeling. It's a verb. So my job as a bulwark is to get you to ask those important questions. It cultivates a spiritual intelligence. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? If today was my last day on this planet, it didn't matter one bit. What difference did I make? How have others benefited from the blessing called my life? Next week, you're going to hear from this guy, Danny. Danny's a local guy here. He does some smoking. He's a coach on kids' teams all the time. He's got a bad ticker. Born with it. Never did drugs. Never did alcohol. Big, heavy, set, black guy. Just good old down-to-earth boy. And man, he can't get a heart, can't get on a list. So we're going to take him under our wing and we're going to help him. We're going to help him raise some money. We're going to help him get some awareness. And we're going to go to in his corner. How am I going to use my life to help other people? He doesn't know. He wants to be there for his daughter to graduate in a year and a half. He wants to be there to help his mom and dad. He doesn't want his kids to bury him. Randy Mercier, a good friend of mine with RA Mechanical in California, Northern California. The guy was my age, about 57, going on 35, good-looking guy, muscular guy, viral guy, would jump out of helicopters in Tahoe and ski off the helicopter jumps. Driving home and get killed in an auto accident. Everybody wanted to be Randy. Everybody wanted to be Randy. Terry Darby went through my training, struggling his own things, realized it all went back to his mother because his dad left at early age. Saturday night graduated. He forgave his mom. Sunday she died. Planes crash and people die. It's a fact of life. And it's appointed for man to die one. Then comes the judgment. Who was Hiro Onada? Do you know? Hiro Inada was a Japanese soldier who was stationed on Lubang Island in the Philippines during World War II. Onada and a small group of soldiers were ordered to carry out guerrilla warfare against the Allied forces and were told to fight to the death rather than surrender. After the war ended, Onada and his group continued to carry out their mission, believing that the war was still ongoing and their duty was to fight until they received further orders. Over time, the other soldiers either surrendered or were killed, leaving Onada alone to carry out his mission. It wasn't until 1974, ready for this, 29 years after the war had ended, that Onada was finally convinced that the war was over. His former commander traveled to the island, personally gave him orders to surrender. Onada finally laid down his arms and returned to Japan, where he received a hero's welcome for his loyalty and dedication. He continued to fight for 29 years after the war was over. Persistence. Calvin Coolidge said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more than com nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. There once was a young shepherd boy who tended his sheep at the foot of a mountain near a dark forest. It was rather lonely for him all day, so he thought up a plan by which he could get a little company and some excitement. He rushed down towards the village and called out, Wolf, wolf, 
and the villagers came out to meet him, and some of them stopped with him for a considerable time. This pleased the boy so much that a few days afterwards he tried the same trick, and again the villagers came to his help. But shortly after this, a wolf actually did come out of the forest and began to worry the sheep. And the boy, of course, cried out, Wolf, wolf, still louder than before. But this time, the villagers, who had been fooled twice before, thought the boy was again deceiving them. And nobody stirred to come to his help. So the wolf made a good meal off the boy's flock. And when the boy complained, the wise man of the village said, A liar will not believe, even when he speaks the truth. And some of you know this this way, screw me once, shame on you. Screw me twice, shame on me. This is the decision. Two types of people. Are you going to be like the boy who cried wolf? Or are you going to be like Hiro Onada? That's the question. I'm Black, and we'll be right back. What can you do in 48 hours that changes your life? Like It Matters Leadership Awakening. Listen to this 22-year law enforcement veteran with PTSD compare Leadership Awakening to other training he's received. You focus on the individual. I think you kind of answered the why question, whereas a lot of the other programs that are out there, I don't want to say they put a Band-Aid on it, but they don't do a very good job of going into the why. And, you know, why am I doing this? Why is my brain uh, revert back to the images, you know, why do I get depressed? And like you said, right, it's a choice. 48 hours. Give Mr. Black and Leadership Awakening just 48 hours and it will change the course of your life. Go to likeitmatters.net and click on Schedule for Leadership Awakening near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule. Leadership Awakening, where 48 hours will change your life. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am black, and you are back. And today we're talking about bulwark. That's what I want to be for you. A warrior for you, fighting in your corner. I'm your corner guy. I'm encouraging you. I'm teaching you how you work. Remember, man's a three-part being. You have a body. You got to know the rules of the body. It's a machine. But the mind runs the machine, and you got to realize how the battle is in the mind. That's biblically accurate. But you got to realize you're not your body, and you're not your mind. Both of those things are your brain, I should say, because both those things are going to be worm food someday. You are the spirit. You are the entity that dwells in that body, that tabernacle, that tent, that temporary dwelling place. You're pulling the machinery, if you will, but you are not the vehicle and you are not the brain. You are the driver of said vehicle, manipulator of said brain. But here's the problem. Other people know how we work. And so since we are unconscious creatures, a lot of things are happening at the unconscious level. Whether you agree with it or not, the understanding is a majority of our experience on this planet is at the unconscious level. Whether you like that or not, that's a true statement. You can disagree with numbers. They say we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. I've heard people say we only use 3 to 5% of our brain. That's not what it says. It says consciously. It's all being used with stuff we can access. Some things never get accessed. 
Just like Jehovah told the Israelites, uh, you know, uh, what is it, Joshua and Moses, wherever your the the foot of your uh, your uh, foot touches, that's your land. So go forth and multiply. And they only put their feet on such a small percentage of the land that God had given them. Where else in your life is God offering you a rose garden and you're just picking a weed? God's offering you a full buffet and you're having carrot sticks. See, part of this is learned responses. We're conditioned. Behavioral reinforcement, behavior modification. That's what's going on in America. And right before the break, I, I read two stories. One about the Japanese soldier who spent almost 30 years on an island in the Philippines because he was ordered to over 30 years earlier to defend that island until the war was over. And even though the war had ended 29 years earlier, he had never believed it ended until he could be confirmed and told for sure it ended. He was going to keep his orders because he was persistent. He was committed. We don't have many people like that anymore. And then the second story I told Spencer on the breaks, I had to tell him back to back because they're dichotomous. The second one's one of the Aesop's fables. You know that one. The boy who cried wolf, lonely boy who just wanted some people around him, so he pretended that a wolf would come. He did that twice. People showed up, spent time with him. He got to play the victim, so he had rescuers come to his aid, kind of like what's going on in America today with the black community and our, our deep state government. Keeping him on the plantation. Just want to be visited. But then after he did that twice to get a little attention, a real wolf showed up. But because he had lied to them before, even though a real wolf had showed up, no one else showed up to help. So that wolf ate well. So why do you need to know this? Because it's going on all around us. Let me just pull some articles. Outrage as James Clapper, other Hunter Biden laptop skeptics suddenly speak out against media. What a fraud. More than two years later, James Clapper blasted Politico for deliberate distortion of his letters suggesting Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. It's now an infamous headline among conservatives and a sore spot for Politico. By the time the October 19, 2020 story by Natasha Bertrand had its intended bombshell effect with the headline, Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation. Four dozens of former and all these 80 intelligence officers said, nope. It's because, remember, they're fighting the evil of Donald Trump. See, this is what they do. If you can make somebody evil, then you can kill evil. See, there are two types of people in this world. right? It's not black and white. It's not male and female. It's not transgender, cisgender. It's wicked and righteous. And a lot of things, the wiles of the devil, are to make his wicked moves seem righteous to you. And so we have a self-righteous government. But they're self-righteously pushing hate, self-righteously pushing racism, self-righteously teaching young little white kids, my little eight-year-old Benaya, that he's evil, that he's a criminal, and teaching his eight-year-old friend, Joey, that because he's black, he's a victim, that white people don't like you, and that you're less than. See, we now know that we were lied to. We were lied to, to the FISA courts were lied to, no one went to jail. Hillary Clinton lied to us, nobody went to jail. 
She washed a bleach, washed a, a hard drive that was under subpoena. Nobody went to jail. She took out hammers and smashed the data in her phones that was under subpoena. Nobody went to jail. Her house wasn't raided. No one went through Bill's underwear drawer. It was all just brushed over. Sandy Berger stuffed confidential documents in his pants and left the National Archives. Google it. Look it up. He didn't go to jail. No one raided his panty drawer. Is a dual media. I'm January 6th to all those people. People who never did anything that were just in December. They are still locked up. They haven't had court hearings. They're being abused. And no one cares. And yet you can kill a cop. You can stab someone in a New York City thing and be out of jail five hours later. No bail, no nothing. But if you're a white conservative... They beat you in jail. They throw it, and none of you care. None of you care because Donald Trump is evil. This is what's going on. How about this one? Muslim Latina inclusion activist mom says she's lying about ethnicity. A diversity executive for progressive social justice organization in Philadelphia, Philadelphia has been accused of lying about her race by her own family. An open letter by anonymous staff and supporters at the American Friends Service Committee is calling on newly hired equity inclusion leader Raquel Evita Saraswati to step down after discovering she was actually a white woman of European descent who was lying about being a person of color. The activist mother told The Intercept that her daughter's name was Rachel Elizabeth Seidel and she was actually of European descent. I'm as white as the driven snow, and so is she, Carol Perone said, adding, I don't know why she's doing what she's doing. She's chosen a, to live a lie, and I find that very sad. In my mind, this is the guy who led the organization. In my mind, it was great. A person of color, a queer person of color, who happens to be a Muslim and a woman, all these things, and someone who seemed to get it, he told the outlet. Conned. I feel deceived. Was it Rachel Dokolex or whatever her name is? Rachel. She headed the uh, you know NAACP in Washington, Oregon, and she's white. And by the way, in case you don't know on this DEI, the University of Central Florida has adopted a radical diversity, equity, and inclusion program. That's DEI, just so you know. That segregates students by race, condemns the United States as white supremacist culture, and encourages active discrimination against the oppressor class. And that what is the oppressor class? You ready? Male, white, heterosexual, able body, Christian. White, male, heterosexual, able-bodied and Christian. They are the enemy to BLM, to DEI, to CRT. And ladies and gentlemen, the problem is we're programming our kids. Georgia Democrat shredded for smearing Justice Thomas as Uncle Tom. Amazing. Senator Jones, uh, Georgia, Senator Emanuel Jones, Democrat, Georgia, slammed the, Senate, uh, the justice, the second black citizen to serve on Supreme Court as a traitor to his racial group. Quote, I'm just trying to tell you that we have in the African-American community, when we talk about a person of color that goes back historically to the days of slavery and that person betraying his own community, we have a term in the black community. And Uncle Tom is either fictional or non-fictional. I don't really know the origin of Uncle Tom, but it talks about a person in who, back during the days of slavery, sold his soul to slave masters. See, this is it. As racist as you can get, just as Clarence Thomas is black, he's not allowed to think differently than this guy tells him to.
So this black man says, if you don't think like I do, you're not black. Kind of like Joe Biden saying, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. And this is how they talk. And this is the programming. And this is the lies. They mock people of God. They call us homophobic. They call, I'm not afraid of uh, homosexuals. I got friends who are homosexual. I got friends who are liars. I got friends who are adulterers. I've got friends who are murderers. I've got friends who are thieves. I got friends. I'm not proud of what they do. And I do my best to guide them in a different direction. But Romans 3.23 says we all fall short of the glory of God. And ladies and gentlemen, it was time we get some bulwarks. We got to step up. People are lost. People are confused. People are hurting. And one thing I learned a long time ago, hurting people hurt people. Or hurting people have a bulwark come up to them and turn that pain into joy that helps other people. I am Mr. Black. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I'm reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, master trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.